getting people involved, like getting people excited about the show before it actually comes out, telling people that it's coming out before it comes out. And even more importantly than that, like building your audience and having conversations with people wherever that audience exists, Instagram, Twitter, like most likely it's going to be social media to start building relationships and getting people to actually start caring about what you're doing so that when that podcast does launch, you have people that are like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like they're hyped for you. And it's not just you being like, oh my gosh, here we go, here we go. And then crickets. What up, potty people, and welcome to Clipped. I'm Eric, your host. This is a show where I teach you how to start, grow, and monetize a podcast. And I'm doing that through bringing you podcasting education, podcast tips, podcast resources, as well as bringing on my podcast industry pals so that they can drop some knowledge on you to help you along your podcasting journey. By listening to this show, you're going to become a better, more efficient podcaster. Clipped is part of the Podcast Haven ecosystem. So if you're liking my content, loving my content, head on over to thepodcasthaven.com where you can check out episodes and more in-depth show notes. Also, take a look at my services. The Podcast Haven is a podcast production company and we create and produce shows for brands and businesses. Lastly, at thepodcasthaven.com, you'll find my blog. I'm writing weekly articles about podcast equipment, podcast production tips, monetization, all things podcasting. It's a great resource if you're looking to go more in depth and find information that's going to make your podcasting process smoother. Today, I'm talking to Nick Nalbach. He's the founder of 95 to Freedom, and he's a podcasting launch pro. He's going to answer questions about what goes into a podcast launch, how to properly craft a podcast launch. We're also going to hear his story from project management into entrepreneurship, how he started his podcast, how he can help you before you even get started with your podcast. And without spoiling too much, the pre-production is a massive part of the podcast launch process. You're going to want to use your social networks to start reaching out to people and getting interested in what they're doing online. Because when you see pages or accounts of people that are doing things that are interesting to you and you start interacting with them, you're subconsciously starting to build a community. And Nick will let you know that that's a big part of the launch process before you even start posting that you're thinking about starting a podcast. It's really all about making those connections, hence social media, where you want to be social with people, build that rapport. Because when you start to do that, chances are you're going to get some of that rapport back. And that's what's going to help you launch with some eyes and ears that are already interested in what you're doing before you even hit record. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm super pumped to be here on the show. So we're going to talk about launches today in the conversation, but kicking it off, I just want to get a little bit of background on you. You work in project management. It looks like you move around a lot, but where are you originally from? Yeah, so I'm originally from Wisconsin, like central, like right in the middle of Wisconsin, and went to school, kind of jumped around to Minnesota, then back to Wisconsin, kind of hung around different schools in Wisconsin. And then I ended up picking up a project management job, which, yeah, I, in the construct, in construction space, the projects would last a couple months at a time, but I was like all over. One year I was in North Dakota, another year in Michigan, Ohio, like kind of bounced all over the place. And then most recently, and by most recently, I mean like 2018, we moved to West Virginia and that's kind of where we've hunkered down. We ended up buying a house here. And yeah, this is this is home for now. Right on. And you still uh, are you still working as a project manager? So yeah, it's it's a different company. Um, I'm working in more of a corporate setting, not so much field hopping around. Um, so I get to manage them from one spot versus worrying about where am I going to be living in the next couple months. <laughs> yeah, you know, I 
a part of me is jealous that you did get to move around. I kind of wish I had a similar experience. Now I, I have a family and stuff, and so we're settled. But moving around is kind of gives you like a, just a unique perspective on things. And if you aren't settled down with a family and stuff, I think that could be actually fun and a great experience. Yeah, it was cool. We we went to a lot of places that we probably never would have gone out and visited just for fun. Um, yeah. So we got to see a lot of cool things. We already like traveling. So that was kind of cool. We didn't get bored of being in one place because we weren't there for too long. Um, and then West Virginia, like of all places, I never thought I would be living in West Virginia. <laughs> so it was, it's kind of cool being able to see that and then, yeah, have the option of, okay, we've seen a couple places now. Where do we actually want to live? And, you know, that's cool with podcasting too, because uh, with platforms like this, like Riverside, and you can be remote and even before like the whole COVID and like Zoom phase where everyone was like Zooming all the time, I feel like people were already doing a lot of remote podcasts. Yeah. And honestly, I started like I was getting into podcasting in 2020, like amidst all of that. It wasn't as a result of it. It just happened to be when I started messing with it. So like the remote recording software and stuff like that was like all I knew. And having like the face, I don't think I've ever had just a face-to-face -face interview for my podcast at all, which would be awesome, but I just haven't done it. Dude, it would be awesome. I haven't done a face-to-face -face either. I've recorded a bunch of face-to-face -face stuff, actually not since COVID, but prior to that, yeah, like going to like offices and stuff uh, for like conference rooms for like uh, business people. Um, yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic. Uh, but I, I personally haven't done that either. I, I would one day I would love to. I got to find someone. I'm in LA, so I got to find somebody because I think that would be, uh, yeah, just different dynamic for the conversation. Well, and you have such a pool of people to work <laughs> to work with in LA. Like, you yeah. think you'd be able to find somebody? <laughs> you know, yes, I do do a lot of like probably seventy five percent like solo episodes. But I do want to start, yeah, connecting with more people. Um, LA, it's a lot more of like the influencer. I shouldn't say that. I, who I, I'm sure everybody's here, but I know a lot of like influencer celebrity type of shows, which which could be cool. I mean, hey, I, I'm open to anyway. I like hearing people's journeys. I like hearing how they got into podcasting. Um, but dude, so construction, which you're not out building structures, but project management, a lot of long hours. And so, tell me about this book that you read, The Millionaire Fast Lane: Crack the Code to Wealth and live rich for a lifetime. And that, in addition to Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, which I think everybody knows, but it looks like that kind of got the wheels turning and you're like, this is a good gig, but I want to do something else. Or at least on the side. You did some digging. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because so, I, I like to read too. I haven't read too many like wealth books, but uh, you know, one book for me, the David Goggins book, I read it during COVID, but yeah, that, that, uh, that inspired me to do a lot. It's just interesting, like the different books and people's or pivotal moments like that in people's lives that like send them down a path. Funny story with that. So as I was doing the project management stuff, I was like fairly recently graduated out of college. Still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, just kind of figuring out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm an adult. I should read like a business book. I should, I <laughs> yeah. should get educated in business. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, we went to Barnes & Noble, just kind of browsed around, and then it's like, nah, okay. Then I found The Millionaire Fast Lane, and that was just like catchy title. It's like, okay, this is interesting to me. And it, what sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme kind of book, it was definitely not like that. Like, this guy was methodical and so smart, and his whole mindset around life and our career just completely flipped a switch on mine. And basically the whole premise, the thing that really stuck out to me is he said, we spend all this time basically being told what to do throughout our entire life. It's all scripted out for us. We go to, we go to school, we get good grades, we get a career, we ride that career out until we're 65, we can retire. And that's the point that you can start enjoying life and like basically live off of all this work that you put in. And he said, but who's guaranteeing that you're getting into retirement age? You can get sick. You can end up in a wheelchair. You can, there's so many things that can happen between now and then. And you're basically going to gamble on that and say, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully I make it that long. It was like, 
shit. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear in here. No, no, <laughs> swear away. So yeah, I was like, shit, he's totally right. What if I don't wake up tomorrow and I've been busting my ass to try to build something that I can be proud of and then I don't even get to enjoy it because I'm either sick or don't even make it that far. So it's like, I need to start building something now to give me the the freedom to do what I want and enjoy life now rather than just put it up to chance later on down the road. I think it's something to think about. I think, yeah, when you're stuck, let's say like in your nine to five or in, in a career, yeah, you don't necessarily think about it. You don't think about like um, without that career, yeah, you, if you get fired or something happens and you can't work that job anymore, you don't have money coming in or something else. Yeah, just something else generating money, really. It's going to be rough going. <laughs> well, and at the time, my my thought was the same thought a lot of people had. is like, oh, well, a nine-to-five job is stable. It's like a sure thing. And with COVID, a lot of people realized pretty quickly that that stable job isn't as stable as they actually thought. So, again, we're just kind of leaving up to chance. The whole thing, like, what kind of stuck in my mind is that the control. Like, do you have control, like, legitimate control over your life? Yeah. Or is someone else kind of pulling the strings there? And in this case, it would be an employer. To me, like, they have the control. I don't have that. I want the control for my life. It's my life. Yeah, just kind of living intentionally, really. Because I started thinking more about this too, maybe like five, six years ago. It doesn't cross some people's minds, which I don't get. I don't get how um, it wouldn't. But I guess, yeah, you get, you're just in your career. You're just so used to that mindset all the time that kind of breaking out of that can um, can be challenging for people, I guess. But it's kind of shocking that that more people don't think this way or maybe they don't know. You know, maybe it takes like a book like this or what, a podcast or a YouTube or something. And then you start to think like, or an event like COVID, like an event that makes you think like, oh, okay, I maybe got to get something else going on in addition to this. That, that was really the premise of my show, my podcast. I interview people who have been through that situation because I, I agree. I think now that I'm kind of hashtag woke to this idea, it, it kind of blows my mind when people aren't. So I want to share those stories of people who have been there. But it, when I was in that moment, I'm like, I'm doing all of the things right. I'm doing what everyone tells you you're supposed to do. And it just doesn't fit. It doesn't feel right. So what other options? And I was like, okay, start a business. But in my mind, the only business owners, like the real business owners were like Elon Musk, where he's like mm. uber rich, like way more. Thinking like, yeah, huge. like huge. I wasn't yeah. thinking about anything in between Elon Musk and working a career, <laughs> like a, a nine to five job. But there's so much in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so much in there. And, and even people say, like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just, you you know, you just need a, a an idea. And it's probably been done before, but you could do it in a way, like put your spin on it and find your little niche in the marketplace. Did you think, like, when you were thinking about transitioning or getting a side hustle, th were you thinking about, like, passive income? Or were you thinking of, like, another business, but where it's more of like something that you get paid for your time, not something where like cash flows like coming in while you're sleeping or while you're, while you're not laboring away. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, like you had mentioned earlier, I had shortly after reading that book, I had started listening to the Smart Passive Income mm -hmm. podcast. And that, po that podcast specifically kind of turned me on to the idea of like all these different passive income opportunities. And passive being kind of a loose term. Right, right. But that that was what I wanted because it was like, okay, if I can establish something where I'm making enough money to do the things that I want to do to some capacity, just even pay the bills, like it becomes on me. Like if I want to make more money, I know that I just need to do a little bit more and I can make a little bit more. Or if I'm like, okay, I'm good with where I'm at, I can just kind of sit with where I'm at and be like, yeah, this is cool. I'm fine with that. But again, comes back to kind of that control is like, I'm not waiting for someone to tell me, oh, you get to make a little bit of extra money this year. And it's like this. It's like, no, this this month I'm going to crush it and I'm going to make a ton of money. And then next month, maybe I'm just going to sit back and kind of relax a little. That's kind of how I am um, to some extent. Like, I feel like I'm in a phase right now, yeah, where I'm trying to crush it. And I realize like, 
at least me, I didn't really realize it at first, but yeah, it's like the more work I put into this, the better, the more money I can make. And then I've had times like my daughter was born like four months ago, four and a half months ago. And I was kind of in a phase then for a couple months where I was like, all right, we're, I'm in a good rhythm. I'm not chilling, but you know, I, I'm not, you know, it, it's weird for me. It kind of like ebbs and flows, but it really does come down to the fact that like, yeah, once you realize that you can be in control and then you can make those decisions if you're in a season of life where you're hustling or if you're in a season of life where you're kind of kicking back because you did hustle for so long and now you're kind of reaping the the benefits of that. Yeah. And I, I like, I've been hearing it quite a bit. A lot of people using the term seasons. And I no, I I've, I like that because I, I never think about that until I hear someone say it. I'm like, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like going through these different seasons instead of like stages. I don't know. I like putting it that way. I think, yeah, I've heard that too. I probably copied that from someone. So you're working and then you get these ideas. Okay, I can be more in control of my life and maybe I can make some money or maybe it'll eventually turn into a thing where I can focus just on me and my businesses and my ideas. Um, so where does like the podcast... Let's hear about like your journey into your own podcast, but also where'd you get the idea to um, start helping people launch their podcasts? Yeah. So my podcast was just kind of a, it just kind of happened. <laughs> I, from, from listening to like Pat Flynn on his podcast and everything that he was doing and starting to find other podcasters, I knew that I wanted podcasting to be a part of what I was doing. But at the time, like when I started the 95 to Freedom brand, I was more thinking down the road if I have this big enough audience that cares what I have to say, then I'm going to start a podcast. And I just kind of got more into content creation. I was going from blogging and I just didn't like writing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do a YouTube channel. Like YouTube is hot. Like people are building channels they're monetizing those channels. And that I couldn't do it. I struggled so hard. The getting in front of the camera, recording, like I freaked out. And I was like, okay, that sucks. What about podcasting? If I do interviews, like if I find people that I can talk to, it's not just me talking in front of a camera for 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. I can actually have a conversation and the guest can kind of help carry some of that weight. So it's not just all on me to be like, am I just rambling or does this make any kind of sense? I can just talk with somebody and it can be something of value. So that's kind of the idea of the podcast, like kind of where it kicked off. And I, I always think it's kind of funny when I did that, I was still like, obviously very nervous of interviewing people, talking to people and being entrepreneurs and business owners and stuff like that. It's like, I haven't built a business really. Like I'm kind of in the early stages. So why would they want to talk to me? So the first interview I did was with my brother because he was starting to do like get into the SEO space. We were kind of working on some stuff like that together. So I interviewed my brother right out of the gate. I was like, knock this one out, like easy, one down. And then the next interview I did was with my wife's cousin and she was building her private practice. So I was like, just hitting really easy interviews throughout this entire process that kind of like helped get me into a groove. And then I started finally getting other guests that I didn't know who they were. I just knew of what they were doing. And that became really cool. That was, once that started happening, it was like, wow, this, there's something to this. Um, and along the, along the way, as I launched mine, that's when I kind of started helping other people launch theirs. They were seeing my podcast and like, how do I do this? Like, what equipment do I need? How do I record the episodes? How do I edit the episodes? And I was just kind of helping people along. And it really, it wasn't until this year that I thought, you know what? Like, I should do this as a business. I should make money. I know what I'm talking about. I've helped several people already do this. I've been looking for something like, how what do I build my place as an entrepreneur in? I was like, it's staring me right in the face. Like I should be in podcasting. I should be teaching people podcasting. What do podcasters get wrong about launching? And then tell me like how your philosophy and kind of what you do kind of solves that and the way that you take them down the correct path. So I think one of the biggest problems going for most podcasters in a launch is that there is no real launch. There, there's no strategy <laughs> behind it. It's 
I figure out what I need to do. I record it and then I put it up and now it's there. It's like, okay, awesome. You did it. Like, that's great. But now the problem is there's no one listening. You get all excited creating this thing. And this is exactly what I did with my show. I got so amped up about doing it and I've recorded these episodes and like, okay, it's going to happen. I'm hitting publish now. And it was like, but no one's listening. So all that excitement just kind of fizzles away right away. I was like, man, so something something's wrong. <laughs> Reality kicks in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a upsetting moment when that happens. And I know I'm not alone <laughs> in that. Um, so through helping these other podcasters get started, I kind of took a little bit more of a strategic approach with the launch. And we kind of did some more work on the front end of getting people involved, like getting people excited about the show before it actually comes out, telling people that it's coming out before it comes out. And even more importantly than that, like building your audience and having conversations with people wherever that audience exists, Instagram, Twitter, like most likely it's going to be social media to start. Building relationships and getting people to actually start caring about what you're doing so that when that podcast does launch, you have people that are like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like they're hyped for you. And it's not just you being like, oh my gosh, here we go, here we go. And then crickets. So it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. But you're saying, and it makes total sense that before you even put that first episode out, you start building some buzz across your social media. Maybe if well, you probably don't even have a newsletter at that point. So yeah, using social media to start letting people know what you're doing, kind of position yourself as an expert in what you're going to be talking about. So how do people do that? Is it start like doing reels or creating graphics or putting your cover art up and say, hey, coming in a month, this is going to be launching? You just give everyone an idea, just listeners that have never done this before. So I've, I, I started getting on reels probably in like March and I, I started getting like really excited about them because I haven't, I hadn't done video content really that much up until that point. So I'm a big proponent of like reels and TikTok and stuff like that. Um, but I think Instagram is like the hot spot to be for doing any kind of like podcast launch between that and Facebook groups, I think are two of your best places to start. And I, in the beginning, I wouldn't even say that you need to necessarily be like buzzing up the podcast yet. You can be creating some content, some really simple content about what the show, what you want the show to be about before you even start like really getting into the weeds with the podcast itself. Because one, you're going to be able to kind of test the idea out, see if this is something that people are interested in. And two, like I mentioned before, you want people to start caring about the content you're creating. Well, that's very difficult when you're just putting content out there and expecting people to show up. That doesn't really happen. I, I've done, I've went back and forth on Instagram so many times going through that like cycle of like, okay, I'm just going to post really consistently and people are going to find it. And then they don't. And then I get frustrated and quit. And then I do it again, like, here we go. This is it. I'm going to stick to it this time. And then no one pays attention and then they quit. When I started finding people and engaging them through engaging with their content and then actually starting conversations with them in the DMs, they started taking an interest in what I was doing because I was taking an interest in what they were doing. People aren't going to come to you. They don't care yeah, unless you give them care. a reason to care. You have to get involved with what they're doing. Like it's, you know, you have to show interest, you have to support them. Then in turn, they're going to support you. So I think the whole thing of like, aside from the posting, but like the the engagement with other people, definitely something I need to work on. And I, I'd imagine a lot of people struggle with that. I mean, I think you could probably start building those relationships without posting any content at all and still do better than if you were just to say, throw content up there or just publish the podcast and say, hey, look, everybody, here it is. It's it's the conversations that make a difference. And it, I mean, I feel like it's not a, probably a popular answer to how do I actually build an audience for a podcast, but that's the reality of it. That's what podcasters aren't doing because they're too busy trying to do the things that get them 10,000 downloads in a month like that. Like they're looking for that 
click like one button click solution that's going to give them all that and it doesn't it doesn't exist unless you get extremely lucky and one just happens to go viral for some reason it's just not going to happen it's interesting too because it's like social media in theory it was all probably built with the idea to try to bring people together from all over the world but it's weird because like yeah everyone gets so like focused just like on scrolling their feed all day they don't think that like oh there's actual people out here i can connect with and they'd probably want to connect with me as well but everyone's just so used to just scrolling and just you get stuck in like this time warp yeah exactly so i i had interviewed alex san filippo who is the the founder of podmatch and he was kind of this was like the first time i had thought about like doing something in this capacity. But he, when they were talking about building Podmatch, he talked about doing things that don't scale and how powerful doing things that don't scale is and how it actually works. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. It makes sense. Like if you're having these one-on-one conversations, like you can build a better relationship and better rapport with these people, but it just, it'll be so slow. Until I actually started doing it and realizing like, holy crap, there's a lot of people now that are actually starting to care about the content that I posted. Whereas before, I couldn't even get a couple likes on a post. And I thought the stuff was really good. The content was great, I thought. But no one cares. Nobody cares. I mean, I find that even with a lot of stuff that I put out, I need to get better about engaging people. And you know, it's not something you have to do like for hours and hours a day. But maybe if you just... I think Gary V was saying like DM like 10 people a day. I mean, I think I would be a little bit more thoughtful or, or strategic and maybe narrow it down to a couple people and, and, and make sure I, I send like a genuine message to someone whose stuff that I actually like that I've been looking at probably for a month and I haven't thought to, or more longer than a month, I haven't thought to like hit them up to connect. But you're right. It's all connections, podcasting, and just I think any kind of brand growth or social media growth in general. Yeah, I mean, podcasting is, people get into podcasting because they can build a deeper connection with people. And if that's truly where you're coming from and why you want to start a podcast, then why are you not willing to build connections one-on-one with people? Do you actually want to build connections or do you just want a massive audience that you can make a ton of money off of? I mean, I've been producing shows for like six, seven years, but I've only had my podcast for about six months. And and I'm constantly thinking like, what's my like genuine, like honest, what am I trying to do here? I mean, obviously I would love to make some kind of money. I do want to help people too. And yeah, podcasting, it's all about the dialogue, the conversation. And it's like, if you're not yeah, willing to connect with a handful of people on social media, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I- I don't know. That that was something that kind of hit me because I was definitely in the opposite mindset. Me too. Like you just said that, and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck! What am I? Uh oh! Maybe I have the wrong uh, approach here." But I, I, I've chased so many like strategies and tactics and like the gurus that are say, "Do this, and you'll like be instant famous," type of thing. And you just keep chasing it, and you keep chasing it, and nothing happens, and you get frustrated, you give up, you pod fade because you're like, "This isn't working." When this stuff, although it sounds like the slow play, it works. And potentially you've never even been on a microphone before. So maybe we should even like start there. Are you recommending like equipment? It, does it start with that? Okay, I have this. Now I want to try to make it a podcast. Yeah. So I think like as you're having these conversations, I think before you even worry about equipment, is the goal, like you have to set the foundation for the podcast. So what are the goals? Why do you want the podcast? What's the purpose of it? What are you trying to achieve with it? Getting really clear with those things. This is another step that I like notoriously skip with everything that I do. And if you sit down and like really think hard about this stuff, everything else starts to make a lot more sense. And it makes the steps going forward a lot easier. So really figuring out what is the purpose and then thinking, okay, if I want to get there, how am I going to get there? What are the steps that I need to take to actually get there? That's by far the first step you should be taking. Then is it when it comes to equipment, I don't think you need a ton of fancy stuff. You don't need to go drop hundreds and thousands of dollars to start a podcast. You could literally start one with your phone right now if you wanted to. This mic that I've been using since I launched the podcast is, I think, 60 bucks right now on Amazon. And the quality of it's perfectly fine. I've never gotten a complaint about the quality. 
So you don't need to go shelling out a bunch for the highest quality Sure mic or anything like that. And it plugs right into the computer. Like you can literally just plug it in and play. Super easy. So I, I think a lot of people get caught up in that step and that prevents them from launching or prolongs them from launching because they're like, man, there's so many options. There's microphone, equipment, software. Like there's all these things. I don't know what to pick. There's so many options. And really just find something, give it a try and run with it. Like you can always change it up. You can always buy new equipment. You can always switch software. But getting started is the hardest part because you can make up a ton of excuses that prevent you from actually getting started. I used to work as an audio engineer at studio. I have tons of microphones, but yeah, I think this is uh, maybe 80 bucks or 100 bucks, the Audio-Technica ATR 2100X. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you got to know your reason. Why are you starting a podcast? Because that'll, too, once you kind of hone in on that and take some time to think about, but once you kind of um, realize like genuinely why you're doing it, that kind of becomes like your guiding light. So yeah, maybe when you're not getting as many downloads as you wanted or things start to get tough or life happens, you're you're still kind of focused on that North Star of like, all right, well, this is why I started it. And this is a goal that I'm passionate about and that I want to achieve. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pushing it because I have this thing to guide me. Mm -hmm. And you can actually take a look at how far or you can see the incremental steps leading towards your goal. When you don't really have that goal, you don't really have any kind of frame of reference to track anything on. So you're just doing it. And who knows if you're doing good or doing bad because there's no there's no timeline, there's no frame of reference there to actually look back on. So when you do have a goal, you can say, yeah, maybe I'm not making the progress I had hoped to make at this point, but I've still done XYZ. I've still made this progress to get me to this point right now. Okay. So let's talk about trailers. Did you launch with a trailer? So I did. Okay. I so had a trailer. Right. Yeah, I did have a trailer. <laughs> but so trailers, uh, this is a fun topic for me because I think a trailer is the most underutilized piece of content that a podcaster has. And I didn't use it the right way. I just did what I thought was right. But I think when, when launching a podcast, podcasters like, okay, yeah. Step one, get equipment. Step two, record a trailer. Okay. Yeah, cool. I can do that. Record a trailer. Done. Boom. Check that off the list. Now we're going to record the first episode. Like, It's just kind of like a thing that podcasters do without giving some real thought to it. Now, the reason I say I think it's one of the most beneficial pieces of content that a podcaster has is because as you're producing the show... Episode clips are great. It gives people a look into specific episodes. You can get people kind of excited, leave kind of cliffhangers for people. But I realized having like an entrepreneurship show, I cover a broad range of topics. I cover social media, email marketing. I cover building, I don't know, systems, like cover a broad range of topics. If I post a clip about systemizing your business, that's going to attract a certain type of person. And then if I post a clip about social media marketing, but the person wanted systems, they all of a sudden, they don't care anymore and they've already scrolled past and they might not ever look at my podcast again. So the way I see it, episode clips are primarily for people who already know that your show exists and they possibly know what that show is about at this point. Your podcast trailer is a piece of marketing that you can use to let new people know what your show is about and what they can expect out of that show. That's what's going to hook them in initially. Then they can go check out Apple Podcasts and scroll through your library of episodes and say, okay, he's got episodes on this, on this. Ooh, I want to listen to this one. But you're not even giving them a chance to go look at that content if you're just posting episode clips. So that podcast trailer, like that should be something that you're constantly blasting out there, putting it on your podcast homepage, like... That should be something you're continually using over and over and over again because that's what's going to ultimately attract new listeners and bring growth to the show. That's going to determine if people think that it's interesting or that it fits yeah, what, what they want to uh, learn about. Now I'm like, damn, I need to maybe put my trailer up here and there. It's weird too because with content, this is a little sidebar, but yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I already posted about that 
specific aspect of podcasting. But then it's like the people that saw it two months ago aren't going to be the same people. Uh, some of them maybe, but it's not like it's kind of arrogant to think like, oh, people have already seen that. But it's like you post again. It's like depending on whose algorithm it hits or what you tag or like uh, new people are going to see it. I, I had the same <laughs> exact mindset that you did. And that's why content creation for me was so difficult because it was like, oh, well, I posted about this already. I can't do that again. Everyone's going to know. And they're going to be like, why are you posting about this again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Like you just said, like you could post right now and a certain number of people would see that. And another certain number would not at all. And then you could post it again probably like an hour from now and completely different people are going to see it. And the people that saw it the first time probably won't see it. So I it, that's like a mindset thing that I think we all kind of have to get over because it's there's too many people out there and the algorithms do whatever the hell the algorithms do. So all you have to do is I would honestly like with a podcast trailer, push that out like a couple times a week or maybe even once a week or twice a week, whatever that is, but make that a piece of content that you're, even if you do somewhat variations of it, that you're constantly pushing out because like I said, that's what's going to get people like thinking, oh, like this podcast might be something that I'm looking for. Let's see what he's got or what she's got. How many episodes you recommend people have in the can and then how many episodes people launch with? So I think... Really, I don't think there's like an exact number like this is what you have to do. But I like to tell people to have two to three episodes published on day one. And that's so if someone listens to episode one and they're still interested and curious, you might not have like totally sold them on the show yet. They have more episodes that they can kind of dive into and they can kind of binge those first couple. You're not just giving them a taste and then saying, well, hopefully next week is good too. Um, so I think having two to three right out of the gate is good. Then I like to personally stay two to four weeks ahead with recorded episodes. And I think just being that my, I interview a lot of guests, I want to make sure that I give myself enough time to be able to actually find the guests, get the guests booked, Make sure that they can do the interview before I can get the episode in. So I'd like to get ahead of myself. Um, I know at one point when I was, cause I've taken a little bit of break from my podcast while I'm rebranding and doing some other things, but there was a point where I probably had like four or five months worth of podcast interviews like recorded and done. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I don't have to worry. Like, if I don't book anybody next week or the week after, like, I'd be good. But I, I think there was, um, I think he's, oh, shoot, I'm going to screw it up. His name is Jeff Lopes, I think. I, I think it might be screwing up his last name. He was a guest on my show and he's been doing podcasting for a while. And he he recommended not getting that far ahead. And the reason he said that was because if you get five months out like I was, by the time that episode airs, that guest is the excitement of that guest coming on the podcast is kind of like fizzled out by then. They're not really as excited. They've they're moved on to other things. So when you do say like, hey, the episode's live, it's like, okay, cool. We recorded that like a half a year ago. <laughs> They've potentially forgot about it or like, or who knows where they are in their life. Maybe they pivoted with their business or maybe like, who, yeah, it's any number of things really, I guess. But yeah, you're, you, you send them like an, an email like six months later. You're like, hey, by the way, just want to <laughs> let you know. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of like made me take a step back. I like stopped recording for a little bit. So like, okay, I'm going to need to at least get caught up a little bit. But I think as long as you're within like a couple of weeks to a month, that's, a good place to be. And like I said, every show is different. You could record out a month in advance if you wanted to. It's see what kind of works for you too. I'm currently about a couple weeks ahead. When I first started, I was a little further ahead and then had my baby. And so like life kind of got busy. But yeah, I think that's fair. I think too, it just depends on your own schedule. But I think a couple weeks, maybe six weeks at the most, I don't know. A lot of the shows that I work on that I edit and produce for are usually, yeah, like a few weeks or a month. One guy's actually not not quite as far as you, but he's pretty far ahead, uh, maybe like three months ahead. It's funny to see his excitement about it. But yeah, maybe I'm going to tell him now. Like, it, it, he's, he's actually brought something similar up 
Sometimes he'll even like forget he recorded an episode. He does them live or in person on his Zoom, like on an SD card. And um, sometimes he'll forget, like it just gets buried and he'll be like, oh damn, I actually did this recording with this guy that we got to release. And I mean, when when you're going into the interview as well, like if we got into this interview and you're like, hey Nick, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show. It's like, cool, we did the interview. And then you're like, yeah, it's not going to air until like next November. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> And then you got to be careful a little bit too if like you talk anything the current event related, like if something happens in the world, like there was just all the elections, like if you do happen to have a show that's like related to like, or like a sports team won like the World Series or the Super Bowl. And then oh yeah, you, you mentioned that like six months later and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so no longer makes any sense. No one's ever like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Tell me, what are some of your favorite like apps to use to help get organized for a launch? Do you have any like online services or apps or little project management? Coming from a project management background, um, I'd imagine you're kind of organized with that. Yeah, organized chaos is probably more accurate. Um, I, I started diving in. I used to use like Trello and I was like mixing it up with Airtable and kind of like doing this whole deal there. And I switched over to Notion and Notion in terms of like tracking, I have all of my podcast episodes laid out in like a Trello fashion where these are the episodes I have scheduled to interview or record. These are the ones that I have to edit. These are the ones that are scheduled and ready to get published. And then I have like a whole guest sheet within Notion as well. It's all interconnected and linked. So I can jump between this episode, I interviewed this guest. Here's all that guest information, their email, like everything. So that's kind of become my like information hub. So I, Notion by far is like my favorite management tool in that regard. And when you're doing launches for people or you're talking to people about a launch, do you recommend that they get involved with something like that? Or is that too overwhelming, you think, in the beginning for new people? Notion itself is kind of a beast. I, that was mm -hmm. when I kind of gave up on for a little bit because I was like so overwhelmed by like the blank and like how much you can do with it. Um, but there's so many templates in there. If you, if you wanted to, I think like coming up with some kind of system by a hundred percent, you need something. Something. And, right. Trello is probably like a really easy to like jump in and get going type of thing. Cause it's just like, um, am I started? I'm doing it. I'm done. Like just something that you can manage that side of it. Like you mentioned, like having your friend or client there that is three months out. and was like, oh, I just happened to find this episode. Like having a way to kind of organize that stuff ahead of time. So you're not like losing stuff like that would be definitely beneficial. But also just so you can kind of track where you're at through all the stuff. And if you end up hiring a team or hiring a producer or company like yours, being able to kind of have that visibility in it all is going to help a lot. That's important. Well, one, just legitimize the process, but also, yeah, kind of give people like an organizational roadmap, just step by step what needs to happen. What should someone do kind of after the launch? So like day one aside, or is that it? Can you, is it really just once it's out, just getting it out and blasting it and talking about it as much as possible? I, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I would say, especially like, now that you've been having these conversations, you've been interacting with people, people are starting to care about the stuff that you're sharing and talking about. Like, this is why I like Instagram so much is using those Instagram polls and stickers inside the stories. Because as it's happening, like, people are understanding what you're doing. You can be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast on this or I'm planning to launch a podcast. Like, who's interested? People are already invested in what you're doing and they're more likely to interact with those story posts. And that gives you a good idea. Now, once the podcast is actually launched, you want to keep that going. Like you want to keep those conversations rolling, keep engaging with new accounts, keep finding new people, but then nurturing the people that you do have. One, one thing that I really like to do with podcast episodes specifically is in the stories, I'll basically come on the story. It's just like me talking and I kind of give like a, a preamble to the episode, kind of like a little hook into the show. And be like, I just got off this awesome interview with Eric. We talked about 
podcast and like how to launch a podcast. It was so freaking amazing. The episode's live now. Do you want a link to go listen to that episode? Or would you like me to send you a link to go listen? And it's just yes, no. Everybody who sends yes, you send them the link to that episode and they're much more likely to go listen because they've already committed and you're not telling them, go click on the link in my bio and go listen to the episode there. Yeah, no one does that. No, which no one does. <laughs> yeah, I got to stop doing It's such that. a hard habit to break because you see everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. doing this. <laughs> and it's like, I wish you could put links in Instagram posts uh, and or reels. I don't think you can link in reels. Just, I think it's just stories, right? But yeah, th- th- so yeah, that's a that's a perfect place to keep that dialogue going. Anytime I want to share like a link or I want them to click on something or I want to share something with, whether it's in a post or a story, I basically frame it as, do you want this or do you want me to send you a link to go get this and get their buy-in that way? Because it's a lot easier for someone to comment on a post that says yes or DM me the word yes down below and I'll send you the link commenting yes is a lot easier than making them click to go back to your profile and then go find the link and then they've already been distracted by some other posts they saw and like getting their buy-in up front make it as easy as possible you put in that 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 work to to do that for them plus you get a little transparency as to who's actually listening to it if you send them the link you can always check back in and be like hey i just wanted to see what you thought of the episode and they're going to say, oh, yeah, I haven't gotten around to listening to it. Or they're going to be like, oh, I thought it was awesome. Or this part was really cool. Like you're having a conversation with your audience. And that's that's so cool. Podcasting is such a one-way conversation. And now you're able to kind of open those doors of communication and have those conversations with people. Understand where they're actually at. I love that. I love the, yeah, the idea of like the follow through, maybe like a, a few days later or a week later, whatever feels like natural. Hey, what would you think? That's smart. I've never done that. I think that's a cool way to, yeah, just keep engaging and then also get some feedback for yourself in this crazy world of like, yeah, podcasts where it feels one-sided. Social media almost always feels one-sided. So yeah, you're just, you're, you're making that connection. And I think that'll just reap benefits for you down the road. And you potentially, you never know who you connect with. There could be opportunities that end up happening with them. Maybe somehow they can help you or you can work together or you never know. And so I I, I love that. Before we go here, just because I'm kind of a gearhead, tell me about your setup, where you host. Tell me what camera you're using, where you got those lights. I used to come big time from that world. I used to work in music studios and it was so much about like, what microphone are you using on the drums, how are we going to record the guitar? So I just love hearing about equipment. I, I, I geek out about the equipment stuff. Like I I have like drones and all kinds of stuff back there. Your video game is strong. So, uh, you know, I'd love to know also like what software you use to edit and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do like a quick run through. <laughs> so the microphone, this is just the Samsung Q2U. It's like basically the the sibling of what you're using the ATR 2100. Um, I have two lights set up. I don't know if this can be on video or not, but I have two lights set up. One's just like a softbox light over here. And then this is like a little LED light that's just kind of propped up there. The lighting, when it comes to video, I hear people talk about it all the time, but never really took it seriously. Lighting is everything. Everything, yeah. Like, you can yeah. shoot amazing video with your phone and with the right lighting it looks like it's shot with probably the most expensive camera ever totally. it's all about the lighting um the camera is a sony a6400 and to be honest when i started the podcast i, I was always recording video just because i didn't want to lose the content it's like if i'm getting the content i might as well get the content um i started shooting that with a gopro like okay. i just set up the gopro like right above my computer and start filming that because my laptop camera is total garbage, but it was a really easy, I had a GoPro. I was like, let's just record with it. It's easy enough. Um, then the the lights behind me, I got those like 20, 30 bucks on Amazon. They're just like LED color changing. Oh, you can set the mood. Yeah, that's dope. You could like yeah. mix it up. Uh, it's not changing for me, but. <laughs> no works. Yeah, it doesn't work, but. <laughs> yeah. It looks cool when it's turned yeah. on and works. <laughs> and headphones. What headphones are you rocking? Headphones. Good question. Audio Technica? The ATH M50X. These. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Or the 20s. Yeah, I, I love these. I think 
when I started the mic that I got, like the Samsung one, it came in like a podcaster kit. So it had like, came with a set of headphones. It came with like even like a boom arm and like a couple other things that make it official. Like I, I'm, I'm a podcaster now. And then once I got like deeper into like the editing stuff and doing all that, then I was like, okay, I'm upgrading, get a little bit nicer things. <laughs> do, you, do you use Premiere, Final Cut, Descript? So I'm coming around to the idea of Descript. Like that one, so many people are telling me about it. I can't justify the price just yet because there's so many other areas that I play in. Um, but I use, for editing the audio, I use Adobe Audition. I've been like grown up okay. with the Adobe suite mate, basically my whole life. So that's kind of like where I live. Um, if it comes to editing the video, like the full podcast, the video podcast, I'll go into something like Premiere Pro, like heavy duty. I don't quite have it figured out yet. I'm I'm learning, spending a little bit more time with YouTube stuff and still playing in that piece of it. But when it comes to like the video clips, like social media clips and reels and TikTok and all that stuff, CapCut is like the lifesaver. That, yeah, I everything I do for reels, I don't remember the last time I haven't done a reel in CapCut. I used to do it in Premiere and it was cumbersome. There's so many steps to get it going. It would take me too long. In CapCut, I can literally load it in. They have a desktop app now. So you're not worried about doing it on the phone like with your fingers. It sucks. Oh, horrible. So with the, des yeah. the desktop app, I can load in all of my clips, cut it up however I want, and then the auto caption feature on there is mind-blowing. Like I barely ever have to change the captions and it's just super quick, super easy to do. So it's free. So if you're doing like clips and reels and things like that, CapCut is definitely, I'd check that one out. Well, cool, man. It was good talking to you. Plug yourself. Where should people go to find you? Socials, whatever you've got going on, let let the good people know. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on, dude. This is, this is a blast. Totally. Um, my website is kind of a mess right now, so I won't have you go there. Um, I think <laughs> okay. the best place to probably connect with me would be on Instagram right now. And my handle is at 95free. And I... I confuse myself with this and why I spelled out numbers, but it is all spelled out. So nine N I N E F I V E free F R E E. And yeah, just come connect with me there. If I can help with your launch or answer any questions you got, just shoot me a message. I'd love to connect. Guys, check out Nick. If you need any launching advice, he's your guy. And thank you for listening. I know I cover up my fault lines with silly putty Like the laugh's gonna make the bad shit turn to nothing But that's rubber, I'm blue All I say stick to you Trying to get close to the truth Man, I ain't 22 no more Gotta shoot for the moon Fuck if I fall on the floor I always get packed up, ask for more I'ma keep playing pain strings Till they chant an encore, do you? Don't let them push your youth through a door that they open This open wound, I'm an open book I'm a kook, shooting hoop dreams They breaking through the roof They be at the tree of Eden, trying to tear out all its roots I be aiming for a king, playing around in a booth Like this'll all work out To my mama, I'll be cool She ain't gotta worry about her little chicken flew the coop Chicken, little near the truth The sky's always falling down Everybody's reaching out, thinking they can grab the clouds